Good morning. I am glad to be here with you today. Uh, to be, I'm so thankful to be part of this sermon series. Uh, I'm thankful to Scott for inviting me to, to be part of this. I think this is an eye-opening sermon series. Uh, if you are a first-time guest or if you have been away recently, this is week four of our series called Twisted, some of the most misused verses in the Bible. Uh, and I have learned a lot over the previous three weeks, and uh, I think that the Lord has a lot for us today, and I look forward to the rest of the series that, that's coming up. So, But I'm glad that you're here today as we talk about one of the most misused verses in the Bible, which says, quote, money is the root of all evil. If I were to go around town taking a poll, I wonder how many people would insist that the Bible says, quote, money is the root of all evil. I mean, all my life, I think I have heard people say, well, the Bible says money is the root of all evil. That's one of those things I think that, that you could win all kinds of bets on. And I want us to talk about why that is. Why do we hear that? Uh, when, when people say that, it is proof that people can be sincere in their beliefs and yet still be sincerely wrong. So we're going to look at what Scripture says, what Paul was saying to Timothy, and then we'll spend the bulk of our time today talking about the application. How, how does this apply to us? What does it mean for us to talk about 1 Timothy 6, verse 10? So we're going to go ahead and take a look at the Scripture. You may follow along in your Bible, or it will also be up here on the wall. As we read 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, and 17 to 19. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. As for the rich in this present age... Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So, why is verse 10 so often misused? Where does this rampant misunderstanding come from? The truth is not afraid of scrutiny. You will hear me say this several times today. The truth is not afraid of scrutiny. And as we scrutinize this verse... I think we're going to find three main reasons as to why that this, is, this makes the list of one of the most misused verses in the Bible. 
And the first reason is what I call biblical hearsay. Biblical hearsay is when we rely on what other people tell us the Bible says rather than going directly to the Scripture to see what God's Word says and does not say for itself. You know, somebody may tell us, well, the Bible says, quote, money is the root of all evil, unquote. And we say, okay, we believe it at face value. We don't question it. But if we do that, we're taking second-hand or third-hand information. We didn't go directly to Scripture to see what it actually says. We're not relying on first-hand information. And that's why there are, there are misconceptions. The people will say, well, the Bible says this or the Bible says that. You know, how many times have you heard when somebody say, well, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. That was Ben Franklin, I think. But it's not the Bible. You won't find it in Scripture. So just because somebody says it, the Bible says it, doesn't mean that it does. And so this is one of those cases. So uh, don't take my word for it. Go directly to the source. Check it out for yourself. And I think good preachers and good teachers will tell you that. Check it out for yourself to verify that what they're saying is true. The truth is not afraid of scrutiny. Uh, another reason that this is such a popular uh, misconception, a, a popular misuse, is because when we go to 1 Timothy 6.10, we find that when it is misquoted, a key phrase is always left out. Always. And that phrase is, for the love of. You look at any popular translation of the Bible. You look at the English Standard Version. You look at the New International Version. You look at the King James Version. No matter what version you look at, whatever translation you look at, for the love of money is. And so, when we see that for the love of gets left out, well, that's a big problem. Because there is a Grand Canyon-sized difference between saying money is the problem and the love of money is the problem. It makes a world of difference. The truth is not afraid of scrutiny. A third reason that we find that this verse is so often misused is how the second half of this verse, of this sentence, gets translated. When we look at the English Standard Version, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils, plural. The New International Version says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, singular. The King James Version says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Biblical scholars today, many of them whose pay grade is way above mine, when they study the original Greek, they say that it should be translated a root instead of the root and should be translated all kinds of evil rather than all evil, period. Now, before all the King James lovers get mad at me for saying this, I want to say I grew up reading the King James. And there are passages like the 23rd Psalm that the poetic beauty of those passages, are you, you can't match those in these other translations. 
I don't think there is just one perfect translation. There's one that we individually like the best, but there's just not one that's just perfect that, that everyone on earth is going to agree is the best one. So that's why we have different ones. But in this one case, in this one particular verse, this section of this verse, the English Standard and the New International Versions are a more accurate translation of what Paul is saying to Timothy in the original Greek. So now we understand where this comes from. There's biblical hearsay where we take at face value what other people tell us that the Bible says instead of going directly to Scripture. Uh, When we do go directly to Scripture, we find that the phrase for the love of is left out. And in this case, the English Standard New International Versions are a better translation than the King James. And that's the truth is not afraid of scrutiny. But now, what does all this mean? Okay, so we've taken all this time and effort to establish this. Okay, but now what do we do with it? What do we do with the fact that the Bible says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils? And that's, that's the main thing that we want to talk about today. And on the back of the bulletin, uh, if you are a note taker, we have some blanks that you may fill in. And the first one, question number one, the context of verse 10 depends heavily on verse 9. Uh, and if you have been with us the past three weeks, then you know that, that Scott has uh, addressed this every week. He has said that context is the king and the queen and the prince and the princess and the court jester. That, that context is key. We have to know where a verse or a passage is located, what surrounds it, what precedes it, where is it in Scripture, because where it is, has a lot to do with how it should be interpreted. We can't just reach in, pluck out a verse on its own and say, well, I know what it means. I know we don't. What surrounds it? So the context is important. And in this case, verse 10, the context depends heavily on verse 9. What precedes it? Verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so from time to time on the news or we'll read in the paper or whatever that somebody has fallen victim to a scam. And, and people out there, unscrupulous people, prey on this desire to get rich quick. And so somebody may call us up out of the blue, contact, contact us out of the blue with this offer that sounds too good to be true. And if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. But yet, sometimes that temptation is there in front of us. And it's like, wow, I can get a hold of, of this and I really don't have to do much. And we fall for it and we end up being in worse shape than when we started because of that desire to get rich quick. Uh, I, I know of a couple who they took a significant amount of the money they had saved up for retirement. And somebody came along and said, oh, I've got this hot new stock you can invest in. I mean, it's going to go through the roof. Hot, hot, hot. This stock is hot, hot, hot. Well, they took a large amount of this money they'd saved for retirement and they invested it in this stock and the polar vortex set in and it got cold, cold, cold and it sank like an anchor. And now they're in trouble. Because all that cushion is gone. 
I remember in college when those pre-approved credit card offers, I mean, they just flooded the campus mailboxes. And, and some people would say, oh, great, you know, pre-approved. And so they sent off and they got this card and that card. And they'd go around and then they had bought music left and right. And on the weekends in the winter, go skiing and bought new clothes and ordered pizza every night. And life was great until they had the unpaid balance each month in the interest at the rate of 18% a year. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And that hole they dug just kept getting bigger and deeper and wider. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and it can lead us into a trap that can cause us major misery. Question two, so where, what is the source of this problem well, we've been talking about? The love of money. Agreed. On its own, money is morally neutral. It's the attitude of the one controlling the money that determines whether it's used wisely or unwisely for good or for bad. On its own, currency is just made out of paper and ink. It's an inanimate object. Coins made out of metal. On its own, they're morally neutral. It's how we use them that determines whether they're used for good or for bad. The Old Testament tells us that the standard for giving back to God is a tithe, or 10%. Three of the places that we can find this are Leviticus 27, verse 30, Deuteronomy 14, verse 22, and Malachi 3, verse 10. So if you want to note those, uh, Leviticus 27, verse 30, Deuteronomy 14, verse 22, Malachi 3, verse 10. We get to the New Testament and we find that the New Testament does not talk specifically about a particular percentage. Instead, the New Testament talks about attitude. What is our attitude towards our giving? For instance, in Matthew 6, verse 21, Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21. Or we, we find what Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. God loves a cheerful giver. God wants us to give cheerfully, not begrudgingly. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. So the New Testament talks about attitude. So does that mean then because tithing is, is only mentioned in the Old Testament that we just dismiss it? I don't believe so. The, the Ten Commandments are mentioned in the Old Testament and God has not set those aside. Uh, humanity does, but God has not set the Ten Commandments aside. And I don't think that we should either. And yet, I also don't think that we should just rigidly, legalistically apply 10% and say that's it. God knows each of our situations. He knows what we have and what we don't have. He knows our income. He knows our expenses. He knows our circumstances. And there have been times in my life when the plate was passed and all I had to put in was a dollar or three dollars, or five dollars. 
And you add that up over the course of a year, and that was nowhere near 10%. And yet, at that season or those seasons of my life, I truly felt God's peace about that. Because I prayed about that. And God also knew that in those seasons of my life when I wasn't tithing, that the desire of my heart was to, to get to that place or to get back to that place. But there were times in my life when I wasn't tithing. I was giving less than 10%, but I still felt God's approval. That's this end. But now we have to hear this end. There were times in my life when I was tithing. And an opportunity to give came along. It's like, well, God, I'm already tithing. I've already given a tenth. And God said, you can do better than that. Look at what I've blessed you with. You can do more. You can go above 10%. So, I've given less than 10% and felt God's peace. And I have been tithing and felt God's conviction that I wasn't doing enough in His eyes. So, based on my study of Scripture and based on my experience, my recommendation would be for each one of us, ask God, Lord, what do you want me to give at this time? We can't go wrong with that. He will tell us, He will show us what He wants us to give. Lord, am I being faithful in my giving? If I am, give me a sense of peace about that. And so we don't have to worry about guilt and condemnation. But Lord, if I'm not where You want me to be, if I'm out of line with my stewardship, then convict me and show me where You want me to be and how to get there so that I will be in the center of Your will. And He will do that too. The truth is not afraid of scrutiny. So Lord, where am I? Am I where You want me to be? If not, show me how to get where You want me to be. Some questions that would be good for us to think about. Lord, where, where, where is God in our giving? Does, does God come first? Or does He come last? When we give to God, do we give to God the very best off the top? Or do we give God crumbs from the bottom? Is giving to God a high priority? Or is it more of a casual afterthought? And I would have to admit that at different seasons of my life, I would answer those questions differently. Sometimes I would be on one end of the spectrum and other times in my life I would be on the other end of the spectrum. This is a journey. This is a growing process. But I can say with all certainty, I was not born a giver. God had has to has had to work in my life to, to cultivate me, to grow me to where I could become a tither. My dad will tell you that when I was a little boy, I, would take, I could take a buffalo nickel and I could squeeze that nickel so hard. He said, I swear that Indian would shoot through to the other side and ride the buffalo. <laughs> I mean, I held on to that. I had a death grip. I mean, it was, I was not turning loose. And God has had to do a big work in my heart to get me where I would uncurl the hands and say, here, I'll give this back to you. 
So questions for us to think about. And in just a second, we're going to see a video clip called God's Pie. I don't know if you've ever seen it before or not. Uh, I think it's funny, but it also packs a real, real message. Uh, as we watch this, I invite you to pay close attention to the name cards in front of each person sitting at the table because the video will make a whole lot more sense if you catch the identity of each person. So let's watch God's Pie. Wow. Hmm. Question number three. So what grows from this problem? A root. The word A means it isn't the one and only root, that there are other roots that lead to evil. For instance, domestic violence. I believe that when somebody batters their spouse... Your kids, that's about a sick desire for power and control. That's not about greed. When, when somebody goes in, into a school and just opens fire and just starts start shooting up the place, starts shooting teachers and, and children, that's not about greed. That's about, well, I, I felt like a victim and I've hurt and I want other people to hurt. People who struggle with addictions to drugs or alcohol, they, they get drunk, they get high. That, that's not about greed. That's about trying to self-medicate. That's inner pain they're trying to numb in inappropriate ways. That's not about greed. Question four. So what sprouts from this root? All kinds of evils. But many is not every. All kinds is not all. Some sinful attitudes and behaviors have nothing to do with money. Earlier I referenced the Ten Commandments. We can find some of the Ten Commandments that don't deal with, with the improper love of money, such as uh, taking God's name in vain, blasphemy, adultery, lying, bearing false witness against our neighbor. I don't think those have anything or, or very much any way to do with greed. But, but we look at other commandments that do, such as coveting, do not covet, do not steal. Do not worship idols such as the, god of, the false god of materialism. So some of the Ten Commandments do, but not all, focus on greed. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. This, this story has really, really touched me, made a, a big impact on me, and I want to share it with you. One time on my street, there were these one hot summer day, there were these, these two little girls who set up a lemonade stand. And they sold lemonade and cookies and some bracelets that they had crocheted. And at the end of the day, uh, these two little girls had brought in $17. Now, if they had chosen to tithe, they would have given back to God $1.70, and they would have kept $15.30 to use however they wished. But they choose to do more than what God's Word says in the Old Testament. What if we as a community of faith grew to the place where when we thought about tithing, we saw it not as the place as the ending point with our giving, but 
as our starting point. What would the kingdom of God look like at First Christian in Greene County and beyond if we saw tithing as the floor where we start, not as the ceiling where we stop? Those two little girls took the $17 they had received that day. They each kept $1 to buy something for themselves at the dollar store. And then that night, they took the remaining $15 to Vacation Bible School where they put it into the offering plate for missions. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Our loving God, we thank you.